Please stand for the reading of God's word. Our Old Testament passage today is from Genesis 1, 3 through 25. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land And the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing, with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. The New Testament passage is Revelation 21, 1 through 5, A and 22 through 27. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I called the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter into it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Maybe Thank you, Hannah. I know that was a long one. The reader at the last service came up to me before and was like, are you sure we're reading all of this? I think she wanted a little break, but I didn't give it to her. Hardcore around here. Um, if you've been with us, uh, you know two things about the summer so far. Number one, our pastor Eric Youngblood is on sabbatical. <laughs> That's kind of like confetti. Um, and uh, and we, I want to encourage you to remember him in your prayers. We've been saying that rest is often more difficult than work. And rest, you have to remember that God is still at work, that he's doing the things that need to be done. He's doing everything that must be done. And, uh, and he gives rest to his servants. And so we ask for Eric's faith and his rest. And uh, secondly, uh, we are working through Genesis, these early chapters of Genesis. And um, we, uh, we've gone slowly so far, and this week is a big chunk. So will you pray with me as we dive into this passage? Father, we ask that you would open your word to our hearts and open our hearts to your word. We want to be shaped and changed by the life of heaven as we hear from you right now. Amen. All right, I got a question for the kids. Do we have any kids? There's a few. All right. Who is Ariel? Thank you. You're not a kid. You're too old. Sand off. All right. Ariel is the little mermaid, right? And where does Ariel live at the beginning of of the story? Where does she live? In the thank you, Libby. In the ocean, right? She lives under the sea, and there's a song about it. Under the sea. That's right. And the crab tries to deceive her that under the sea is good. But she does not believe it because where does she want to be? On the land. Why? Why does she want to be on land again? Who's up on the land? This is an easy one. Looks a lot like me. Built like this. The prince, right? Her, her love. She wants to go. Her life is incomplete under the sea. There's something lacking in her life. And she wants it. As she goes to live on land, she wants to live up there with them, where, up where they walk, up where they run, up where they play all day in the sun, <laughs> wandering free. She's got a pretty, uh, pretty great view of our lives, which I don't think mine lives up to that, but that's what the little mermaid wanted. She... She knew that life under the sea was lacking. Something wasn't right with it. And she wanted to get above it. 
So that's actually what our passage, where we're going to focus on today, oddly enough. Under the sea. Living under the sea where life is incomplete. Uh, But before we jump into that, it's hard to order up here, excuse me. Before we jump into that, um, let's do a little bit of recap for what we've seen so far in three, three and a half short, or three short verses so far. Um, the first, first two verses, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Y'all remember the deep, the Tahom, the primordial sea of chaos, and, uh, and God's spirit was hovering over the waters. We said that God, before all of this, was existing, he existed in darkness and over the chaos, that our God is in the dark and above chaos, and he won't let either of those rule our lives, that he is stronger, he is mighty over those forces. And we also said that, um, that get ready, if you're an ancient person and you hear this initial description, you're thinking, here comes a royal rumble where all these like gods are going to go into it together and fight and fight, and then one of them will kill the other, and then out of that, their body out of the the fallen foe or the chaos sea monster, one of these evil, wicked things. We're going to make all of creation. going to make the world as we see it, but our God does not do that. There is no royal rumble. It just says, and God... You can say, that's right. It's an easy one. Good. I'm not going to ask trick questions. You can answer them. And God said, and God spoke. He spoke creation into being. All that that means is you're not an accident that came from eternal matter that collided together and all these chemicals mixed together and poof, there was life and here's you now going from nothing to nothing. That's not the case. Neither is, uh, and, and God spoke creation by the power of his word on purpose in delight. That's what it all means. All that, all that is contained in those three words and God said that he created on purpose out of delight, and he shares that delight with you. This is the God that we're getting to know in, these, in, these pass- in this short passage so far. So that's our recap. This week, we're going to look more at what God creates. Yesterday, or no, the other day, I was out in the backyard with Delcy, our youngest, who's five, and she comes running up to me to show me a treasure that she found. She said, Daddy, look, look, look. And she held up a button. I said, oh, that's really cool, Delcy. Where'd you find that? Over there. Well, where? Where'd you, where'd you find it? Was it in our yard? Yeah, yeah, in our yard. Where in our yard? Where'd you find that? She said, in, the, you know, I mean, in that place over there, like in the desert. The what? You know, over there in our yard in the desert. Well, okay, you're going to have to take me there. So she walks me over to this part in our yard. There this, there's a slope that gets run down a lot by, by busy feet. And uh, there, there is, it's just like uh, clay and rocks. There's no life possible in this desert. This is what our passage would call formless and void. Basically, it's, it's, it's a wilderness, and that's where Delcy found the button. Because uh, our passage in, in Hebrew, it's, uh, the English says that it is a formless or void, formless and void. Uh, Hebrew is tohu vabohu which I think is a really fun thing to say. That's the only reason I remember it, because it rolls off the tongue. Tohu vabohu. And uh, if you understand tohu vabohu, then we're going to understand what is about to happen. Our God is going to form and fill, okay? Our God, 
who creates by the power of his word is going to do so in an orderly fashion by first forming the life support systems day one through three and then filling those places with their appropriate rulers. Day one, we'll go a little bit faster on these. Day one, he speaks light into being. There is no sun. Where does this light come from? From his presence. He unveils his glory. Light comes from God, not from the sun, unless we'd be tempted to worship the sun or call the sun our source of life. It's not. God is the source of light. And on day one, he divides the light from the darkness and calls the light day and the darkness night. He makes time. He makes a cyclical pattern. That's day one. Day two, he divides. He takes that great, you remember this, the great dirty sea of chaos? That's a home, the deep. That's what's in existence right now. It's just that great dirty sea of chaos, good or bad. This is an easy one. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's bad. Chaos is bad, guys. All right. It's a great dirty sea of chaos, but God divides it. And there's lower waters now. It's still just this nasty swirling sea. And now there's upper waters. And we're going to come back to that. There's these upper waters. Okay? So he's made space. Now there is spatially a differentiation. He made time. Now he made space. And then on day three, the land comes up from the sea, creates the land out of the sea so that there can be a life system. And he makes vegetation on the land. He has made a life support system with a rhythm, rhythmic, you know, rhythm of day and night. It's got spaces that are separated. There's land, there's vegetation to support life. And he says the land is good. And on day three, after he's created his life support system, he calls it good twice. This is a really good setup, says God. So day one through three. And then day four through six are mirrors of day one through three, okay, if you laid them open. So this is Tohu. He formed. It's no longer formless, but still void. It doesn't have life in it. And so he says uh, day one, a mirror of uh, day one that has the light and the dark, he's going to put the sun, moon, and stars, except he doesn't actually call them sun, moon, and stars. He just calls them the greater lights and the lesser lights. Again, he's not going to name something as if, Uh, Because ancient people particularly were tempted to worship the sun, moon, and stars and attribute glory, attribute power to those entities. He didn't even name them. Greater lights, lesser lights. I'm the glory. I'm the power, says God. I'm over these things. And And I put them there to what? To govern. He's forming and then he's filling with the appropriate governors of those spaces and those times. They're going to govern time. And then he says, then on day four... Day two, day two, he created the, separated the space. He's got the seas and the skies with the vault in it. Day four, the mirror image, he creates the birds to rule the skies and the fish to rule the seas. And he blesses them and says, keep going. Keep doing life. Make more of it because I want you to rule and govern these spaces. Okay? Day three, he creates land and vegetation a life support system. In day six, the mirror image of day three, he creates the animals to be on the land, all different types of animals to be on the land. Okay? He doesn't pronounce a blessing over those animals because, as we'll get to eventually, their job is not to rule the land. That's man's job. He doesn't want them to overrule the land. That's man's job is to rule that space. So that is a blow-through 
way too fast of what this is. Two panels, panel one through three forming, panel three, four through six filling. Okay, it's a, po- a poem about creation coming into being by the power of our God. So he finishes that on each one. There's these rhythms, right? There's first day, second day. There's all this rhythm and repetition. That's one of the tip-offs that we should read this as poetry. Then he calls each one. He, see, he does it. He separates. He forms it. He names it. And then he calls it good. And he says all of them are good, right? This is the trick one. This is a trick. All of them are good, right? No, which one is left out, Reese? Yeah, we talked about it. Oh, yeah, we did leave out people. But, um, but he does not declare one day good, and that is day two. Curious, huh? Curious. He does not declare, he deviates from the formula day two because he creates the vault. Let's talk about the vault. That's what I want to focus on today. Um, if you've seen the Jaws movies, you'll know a lot about what we're about to talk about. And Jaws, I think it's three. They kind of run together for me after, you know, two. Um, Jaws three, I think it's three, where they go in the, that undersea tunnel. You remember this? They, and they, like, there's this thing. They make this tunnel that goes under the sea so you can look up and see all the fish and all the teeming life that rules the seas. But then Jaws, the great chaos monster, destroys the tunnel. So they live, so, it, so and, and, and the sea comes rushing in and, and like kills people, okay? That's the vault. The vault, an ancient uh, understanding, why is the sky blue? We think it's because of light reflecting through molecules and all this stuff. No, ancient people knew it's because there's a great dirty sea of chaos above our heads. And the greater light shines through that sea. And water is blue. The sky is blue. There's water up there. Okay? So the picture of, of, the, of, of life in the ancient world is here's the land. There's that dirty sea that's down here. But there's that dirty sea that's up there. And it's held back by the vault. By this clear dome. That's what holds it back. So in Genesis, we have this two spaces made, right? The, the, the space of the earth, but also God's space. Okay, can you point to me where is heaven? This is an easy one. Thank you, Libby. Heaven is up, right? Everybody knows that. Ancient people knew that in their gut. Heaven is up. God is here. He's in this existence, this plane of existence, and if we could get there, we could see him. Remember the Tower of Babel. If we could get there, we could hang out there. That's a space, but it's up. And it's certainly not where the birds hang out. That's the bird's space. That's not God's space. It's actually above the great dirty sea of chaos. That's God's space. And so there's this, this barrier between us and God. Okay, here's an easy one. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's bad. What happens if something crosses that barrier? What happens if that barrier is punctured? Well, we're told that not long after this in Genesis 7. This is a hard one. Kids, what happens in Genesis chapter 7 when there's lots of water involved? A lot of water. 
the flood. The flood happens, and we're told in the flood that the nasty, dirty seas come up, and the nasty, dirty seas come down. The gates, the the windows of the vaults were opened. That's what happens. You can't do the, you can't get to heaven, and heaven can't get to here in the fullness that it's meant to be because that great dirty sea is in between us and the vault's got to stay intact. It's got to be there or else death comes to us. So if you're really worried about that vault cracking, any any imperfections in that thing, that the great dirty sea will come down on you, but God has promised it, what's a really good way to show, for God to show that that vault is intact? Yeah, you can answer this one. That was a hard one. Good job. A rainbow, right? Stretches across in the shape of a vault that would hold back a sea. Look, there's no cracks in this. I'm not opening it up, and I won't open it up against you. This vault not only separates us, but it it creates a lot of danger. When I was at UT, I was a psych major at UT Knoxville, which was an interesting endeavor in itself. Um, But... One of the things that I found curious about, uh, like, scientists in this field of study is they just are really into rats and really into putting rats in water. I don't know. We had to read all these studies. We read this study where they took a bunch of rats, and then they threw them in water and then timed it. And then in this study, they electrified the water. And in this study, they put webbed feet on the rats. I don't know. I mean, it was crazy. It was like all these different things, and they were supposed to prove different stuff about humans probably and uh I, I, that was the i think i was supposed to deduce oh we're just animals like rats i got it okay but that's what they did it all the time do you know what the outcome of rats in water is 100 percent of the time without fail what's the outcome they they die death death is the outcome thank you very smart scientists spending lots of public money they die do you know why that's not the rat's realm God says the creeping things belong on the earth and you're taking a creeping thing and putting it in the water. It's not the, that's not the realm and so death happens and heaven, earth is not heaven's realm. It doesn't fit and so death happens if earth is not fit for heaven. Earth is not fit for the life of heaven but it was always the design of heaven to come to earth. It means the creation in the beginning wasn't intended to be our final home. That means every children's book written in the 70s has misled you. Do you know that children's book, primarily 70s children's books, picture books, were written by hippies, right, from the 60s. That is not a derogatory term. It's the name of a movement, Right. And what did hippies, what was the, the thrust? Let's get back to the, back to the earth. Yes, Johnny Erickson, uh, no, John, Johnny Erickson, Tyler. <laughs> Johnny Mitchell, excuse me, wrote a song, Back to the Garden. That was the, that was the, um, the, the Woodstock experiment. All we need is the earth, each other, and music, and this thing is all going to go right peace will happen if we can get back to the garden. And so those people all wrote books in the 70s to 
because they thought, oh, this whole generation is gone. Let's reach the little guys. And that's why all the children's books in the 70s are like, you know what's really yucky? Mechanization. The, the, the internal combustion engine is the great wickedness of this age. And so you need to get away from that and have your own farm. You know what's really bad? Urban centers. Ooh. And you need to go and have a farm on your own. But like they say in Elf, you know, another farm, uh, rural, everybody's pushing rural farm. It's just white noise. You don't remember that line? It's a great line. Okay. So uh, that's a lie. Getting back to the garden is never our design. It's never God's intent to just go back to the garden as if that was complete and whole. It wasn't complete and whole. The Tahom above us was never called good, but incidentally never was darkness. Light is called good, darkness not. That's a whole nother, another exploration. The design of creation and the design of redemption was always to unite the life of heaven with the life of earth. That also means that redemption is more beautiful than creation that the reclaiming of a thing, that the improving of a thing, that the, that, the, that the rescuing of the lost is better than original, pristine creation. That's a design from our God from the very foundation. And this, this separation has to remain until the life, until earth is ready for the life of heaven, until those realms can mix. The separation has to remain. So even as God moves towards this special people, Israel, and he says, look, I'm going to live among you. I'm going to be in your camp. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to verbally speak to you. He has to still maintain the separation and, um, and Exodus 26 says this, make a curtain of blue. This is describing the tabernacle, God's home in the camp of the Israelites. Make a curtain of blue, purple and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen. Make a, a curtain with cherubim, that's angels, woven into it by a skilled worker. Hang it with gold hooks and place the Ark of the Covenant law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. It's a vault. It's separating the life of heaven from, from earth. Because what happens if you go, if you are a Bible scholar, what happens if you cross that barrier? This is an easy one. You die, right? Just like if the, if the vault is cracked, you die. If you cross the barrier, you die. Even the high priest who could cross that barrier one time a year on the Day of Atonement had to bring with him a cloud to obscure his vision so he couldn't see the mercy seat where God's presence was because if he saw the presence of God, he would die. He's not fit for the life of heaven. They don't fit together yet. But that is the thrust of creation. God's design from the very beginning is that life of heaven would join the life of earth. The vault must be removed. Heaven must join earth. How is it going to happen? One day, John the baptizer was preaching repentance. This is kind of fun. Where was he? He was in Delcy's favorite place. He was in the desert. So John the Baptist was in Tohu Vabohu, and he's doing this 
great-to-home water thing, preparing people to be new creations. Are you seeing this? This is why we're studying Genesis 1 through 3, because it echoes all throughout Scripture. He's doing a new creation thing. He's saying it's time to prepare. God's going to bring a new creation and unite heaven and earth, the design from all eternity. When up steps this young man who wants to be baptized, and Mark's account says it this way, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the vault being torn open. He saw the vault torn open. This is terrifying. That's death to us people. We're not fit for the life of heaven. But what poured through was not the chaos waters, but Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And we're going to get to this more as we see the creation of Adam, but here is a new Adam and God's creation tasked to make creation fit for heaven, tasked to bring the life of heaven to earth through obedience to God's word. I'm going to give you a spoiler. This one does it. In Christ, the life of heaven is joined to the life of mankind. He he goes around eradicating disease, something that belongs to the chaos waters, not not the earth. He goes around feeding hungry people. He goes around declaring authoritatively God's word. He is the one who is fit for the life of heaven on earth. But this veil still remains until on the cross, that veil, that vault, that exists between the holy place and the most holy place, the separation of the life of heaven and the life of earth is split, is rent when Jesus is on the cross. And, on, and, and, and you don't know, is it going to be judgment? Is it going to be Holy Spirit? Is it going to be good news? Is it going to be bad news? Well, the judgment pours out on him, the, the waters of judgment onto Christ and the overflow of the Spirit onto us as the life of heaven joins us we, as we receive his gift. Holy Spirit. He took the separation and the judgment that we deserve so that heaven's life could be poured onto us. And one day, as we read, that vault will be utterly removed as the new Jerusalem, heaven, comes down. No vault in the way, no sea in the way, no judgment in the way, and joins earth. And God will be there his very presence among us. There will be no more sun, no greater, no greater light, no lesser light. His presence will be the light. So what does that get you? What does that mean for us? Well, we could talk about the, the, the end of disease and the wiping away of every tear. And that's great. We need to talk about those things. That's what, those are the blessings of the life of heaven joining earth. But what it really gets you is Him. It gets you Him. This God who is over the chaos and more powerful is coming to you. This God who spoke you into being out of delight is, going to, is coming to you. This God who is powerful over all the forces of nature and has a plan for all of life is coming to you. 
You get him. You get him. And what does he want to do with you? He wants, to, he, wants you to, he wants you to make earth fit for the life of heaven. It means redemption is more beautiful than creation. He wants to, he wants to send you out into a mission of, of making the earth fit for the life of heaven. He wants to send you into sorrow and into sadness and into the celebration of places where creation is good, where relationships are whole. Into celebration and sadness, bringing the life of heaven with you. This morning, a good friend of mine told me, I've been praying for you. And it hit me. That's, that is exactly what this is. He, in, in essence, he said, hey, I just want to, you know, I unleashed the life of heaven into your life this morning. I set free, I broke the vault and in poured Holy Spirit onto you this morning because I prayed. What a great application of this, to pray for this world, to pray for each other, to, to unleash the life of heaven onto the earth through prayer. I think as we have this, this gift, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and this mission... It must feel a little bit like, and I'm obviously not speaking from experience here, it must feel a little bit like those first few weeks of, of pregnancy. Nobody else knows. It's not showing. But you have this secret, this life, this treasure inside of you. And for having, you know, a, a, a woman who's in that stage is just radiant. You know who, you've seen them. Their hair is all healthy. Their fingernails are nice and thick. Their eyes are, are bright. They're just radiant with the joy of this treasure inside of them. And they're doubly valuable because now it's not just a, a, a lovely woman. It's this precious life inside that they carry out into the world. Wherever they go, this treasure. You have the life of heaven reigned into you. The vault between has been shattered Not in judgment, but in delight. Carry it well. Amen.